I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre, and this is the Investing on the Go podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Will Argent, manager of the Gravis Clean Energy Income Fund. Will, good morning. How are you? Morning, Darius. Yeah, very well, thank you. Excellent. So let's get straight to it. Um, Fund is coming up to its fifth anniversary. Can you tell us a little bit about how the clean energy space has evolved over that five-year period, please? Yes, uh, sure. Five years, quite incredible, really. Um, Over that time, uh, I think, you know, we've seen a remarkable rise in sustainability and net zero ambitions, um, both governmental and uh, on the corporate side as well. Uh, And these these targets um, are driving significant growth across the sector. Um, You've seen supply chains rationalised, I accept the impact of the pandemic, Uh, costs have reduced, Uh, jobs have um, been driven through this, um, uh, this energy transition, new installed renewable capacity has grown uh, and its influence on the grid. Um, For us, the investable opportunity set have, of course, uh, expanded, uh, not just in our area of focus, um, which is, of course, the the physical infrastructure side of things, uh, but also in more pioneering areas in clean tech, for example, and and applications. Um, I think it's fair to say that when we launched the strategy, you know, we saw it as providing exposure to a really attractive subset of global infrastructure um, with, with very long-term structural drivers. Um, we used to sort of suggest it was providing access to the energy utilities of the future, and I, I think it's really evolving in that way. Okay, so look, one of the, the negatives around the sector has been following the autumn statement by the fourth chancellor in the last 12 months, where he announced a 45% windfall tax on electricity generators. What does that mean for companies and your investments in some of those infrastructure plays? Yes, um, it's a very good point, Darius. And uh, of course, this is relevant for the the UK uh, generators, of course. Um, You know, we invest on a global view. Uh, Other things are being implemented uh, in Europe, uh, for example. But um, yeah, the electricity generators levy, uh, this is the UK um, uh, windfall tax, uh, you know, it reduces upside participation in higher electricity prices. Um, There's a threshold of 75 pounds per megawatt hour, uh, above which or above which aggregate sales will will be hit by this uh, windfall tax. Um, But I think in terms of uh, from the investment point of view, I think, you know, it needs to be considered in the context of the assumptions that are factored into company valuations already. Um, So in the UK, we own a lot of closed end investment companies and their net asset value um, is derived from a discounted cash flow model. And so that incorporates a lot of elements, um, including power prices, of course. Of course. Yeah. So um, overall, I expect the impact of the levy um, to be relatively limited on net asset values. Um, and this is really owing to a, a couple of factors, really. One, uh, the fact that these companies um, have made various uh, sort of conservative assumptions 
around future power prices. Uh, in fact, you know, in anticipation of a, an intervention from government, uh, some deep discounts have been applied to, to sort of near-term power price expectations anyway. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got a load of, um, you've, got, you've got other positive adjustments that will help to offset. So things like um, uh, the outcome uh, of inflation, uh, which, is, which is sort of coming in ahead of expectations and uh, a, a significant portion of cash flows uh, of these UK companies will, will be indexed uh, through their subsidies uh, exposures. I think longer term, there's definitely a question over whether the levy could deter investment in UK renewables or, or you know, whether capital may be attracted elsewhere. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. OK, so one of the sort of sub-themes uh, is energy storage. Um, there are a handful of energy storage closed-end investment companies. Do you think we're at this sort of very early stage stage of energy storage and you know would would greater battery supply help with blackouts that have been discussed in the news uh yes um well i think you know national grid has certainly talked about a low margin of capacity uh for this coming winter um and i think just last week there was a warning uh, about potential interruption in supply um there's a big sort of downturn in in wind output um and um the colder weather started to set in so yeah i think when it comes to energy storage the real limitation uh, at the moment is installed capacity quite simply um you know which needs to increase substantially in the coming you know decade and beyond uh, and that's in order to harness and smooth the inter intermittent output from from renewable generation so you know, growth in storage solutions um, will be focused around, uh, I think, really two technologies um, or, um, or, or asset types, I suppose. Um, one would be with battery technology, uh, but also pumped hydro. Um, so, you know, water reservoirs can be a really effective storage of potential energy. Um, you've also got the potential for green hydrogen um, to sort of um, come on uh, you know, where, you know, it's a good way to store sort of excess renewables production in times of, you know, um, lots of output. Um, but, but, you know, it really comes back to this um, need for more, more capacity. Um, and National Grid, um, uh, they have a range of future energy scenarios that they, they model around uh, under their leading the way scenario, which is um, uh, probably their most ambition, uh, ambitious um, scenario in terms of, you know, sort of moving towards net zero. Uh, they see a requirement for, for around 20 gigawatts of, of battery storage by 2030 uh, in the UK. Uh, I think we're currently pushing towards two gigawatts. So you can see the, the type of growth that needs to, to come through. Yeah. So um, with the energy crisis or the weaponization of gas um, following sort of Russia-Ukraine conflict, another area of power generation which has come back into focus is nuclear. I think nuclear energy is technically a clean energy. Is that something you could or would invest in going forward? And if not, why not? 
Yeah, so yeah, very sort of personal question. Uh, I think on a global view, um, you know, governments take a differing view. Uh, the UK is a proponent of nuclear, um, uh, a proponent of nuclear having a significant part to play in the electricity mix. Um, our fund, the, the BT Gravis Clean Energy Income Fund, uh, adheres to a responsible investment statement, um, which at this time um, precludes investment in nuclear generation assets. So, so at the moment, we have no exposure to operational nuclear generation assets. Um, I would note that in the past, and um, it may well come around again in future, we have had some modest exposure to companies that are in some way involved in the nuclear industry, um, you know, providing services or perhaps components, um, for example. But uh, uh, in answer to the question, at, at this time, we, we don't see it as an investable opportunity for us, um, given the, the, the way that the, the fund is, is managed. <laughs> You've mentioned a couple of times the fact that this is a global product, so we're not just um, constrained to UK holdings. What areas uh, are you invested in overseas that you either can't get access to via UK holdings or, in fact, they're uh, better value or, 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 or things like that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, we, we look at companies that are sort of typically exposed to a very broadly diversified portfolio of renewable and efficient energy generation types. Um, I think in the UK, for example, solar and wind really do dominate uh, in the renewable space. Um, but in other jurisdictions, you know, things like hydroelectric uh, is far more significant. Um, you know, in parts of Scandinavia, North America, New Zealand, uh, for example, you know, we have quite significant exposure um, to hydro via our international holdings um, in those in, in those countries. Um, I think, you know, a lot of it's down to sort of the available natural resources, of course. Um, the UK is clearly well positioned to, to harness offshore wind, for example. Um, uh, and the nations I just mentioned, you know, have, have significant um, uh, sort of resources, geographic uh, resources that allow sort of hydroelectric to be a greater part of the electricity supply mix, for example. So, so yeah, I think by having that global view, you, you can get a, a broader exposure or a more balanced exposure if you if you wanted to to, to a range of uh, renewable power sources. Um, Could you up. tell our listeners a little bit more maybe about how hydroelectric work? I think we can understand capture of sun and wind turbines or capture of wind energy. How does hydroelectric work in practice? Yeah, so hydroelectric is a very a very old um, form of uh, generating power. Of course, it's it's uh, using gravity. So you'll have reservoirs filled with water, and of course, this is where you uh, you you really uh, want to have the sort of geographic um, environment that makes this conducive. You know, big pools of big reservoirs of water that are able to be um, essentially discharged downstream, running through. Uh, a generator um, to, to power the, the electricity, or sorry, to, to generate electricity. Um, the idea of pumped hydro uh, is sort of reversing, you know, pushing that water back uphill uh, when you've got abundant clean energy um, output, so from wind and solar, for example, um, to sort of um, produce that power 
push that water back uphill uh, to be stored in a reservoir for um, you know discharge when required. Um, so that that's a really efficient way of sort of storing potential energy, as I, I think I mentioned earlier. Um, but it's quite a simple simple um, um, theory, I suppose. So look, we've 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 done nuclear, and that's not involved, and we've done solar, and we've done. Um, wind energy and we've just touched on hydro so thank you for that so maybe we could just finish by talking a little bit about geothermal and biomass energy how do they work and again with this being a global fund whereabouts in the world are you able to get those sorts of assets um yeah i think well biomass we, we certainly have exposure in the uk it's very very modest i think biomass can tend to be limited by feedstock requirements um so things like wood pellets that are, that are used to to um power the um uh, power the generator um geothermal is a proven technology but i think relatively nascent uh, in terms of scale certainly um you know, it does have the potential to grow and become a real sort of investment opportunity for us in the future, I think. Um, in fact, Gravis, um, here at Gravis are uh, another side of the business. We have direct experience and exposure to the sector uh, through um, involvement in the um, geothermal project at Eden um, in Cornwall. Uh, so, yeah. so we know a bit about it. Um, but like I say, in, in terms of investable opportunities at this time, uh, fairly limited for us. Um, but I, I, I think it's, uh, there's a good chance that that, that changes uh, in, in future. Great. Well, listen, Will, thank you very much for giving us a whistle-stop uh, tour of the clean energy investment opportunities. And for all of our listeners, if you'd like more information on the Gravis Clean Energy Income Fund, please do visit fundcaliber.com. And please do also remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Calibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Calibre's research team only. Mm -hmm.